changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Vaden and Rex. Welcome to another episode of My Corner of the Universe podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Nate Shepard. Nate is a independent multimedia filmmaker who's doing some really cool things. And specifically, we are talking to him today about a film he's putting together, a documentary called The City of God. It, it covers uh, a place in Haiti called Lemanuel. Um, really cool Christian ministry. It's like sounds like it's a full compound city where they have employment, they have housing, they're reforesting. I mean, they're doing so many really cool things. But I felt this interview was really unique because it wasn't just interviewing, you know, the founder of Lemanuel Ministries. It was interviewing the guy who's doing the documentary on that. So I felt like we yeah. got a little bit more depth than just, hey, this is Lemanuel, this is what we do. We got to figure out or find out what they do and how he was trying to portray it to film. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think for a lot of people listening to this, it's its one that we can all relate to in the sense that, uh, you know, we hear about these nonprofits uh, in other countries and we're very detached. And um, he was able to instantly kind of say, hey, there's something different about these guys. And then was eventually able to take a trip down there. And from there, you know, his eyes were opened of like, wow, this is a lot different than anything else I've seen. Um, and through that, he's able to like take his passion with multimedia and put together a, a, you know, full documentary. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I highly encourage if you're listening to this to go not only to his Kickstarter page, because he's right in the middle of a campaign to raise money for the film, but to go watch the trailer on his Kickstarter page. It's, I mean, as soon as I watched the trailer, I was like, wow, I want to see the rest of this film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lemanuelfilm.com. Uh, that is L-E. I'm going to make sure I spell it right here. <laughs> L-E-M-E-U-E-L film, F-I-L-M.com. So yeah, check that out. Watch the Kickstarter video um, and enjoy the video that we had with Nate Shepard. My name is Nate Shepard. I am a multimedia artist. That's how I sometimes talk about myself. Um, I usually am doing video production, but I do a lot with audio and visual projection type stuff, which is a whole nother thing. But the sort of short version is I'm a multimedia artist who specializes in audio and video production. Um, I live in Rhinelander, Wisconsin with my wife, Andrea, our three-year-old son, Finley, and we have a daughter on the way in December, actually. Awesome. So six Congratulations. Weeks now, probably. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and I've done media production for probably about seven years or so, um, but this last year, I actually made the leap into it full-time, uh, and I'm now a self-employed media production specialist, which is just a fancy way of saying I make videos for a living and other stuff as, <laughs> as assigned. Um, Love it. And I, I love this question of just like, how did you get into film? So I actually kind of wrote down stuff because I'm a, I'm a process and sort of very detailed kind of guy with this stuff. Um, so I don't know if you want to just do more. No, man, go for it. Kind of back on. and forth or I mean, no, I don't yeah. have to do all this no, stuff. Yeah. Just, just jump in. Tell us kind of how you got into film. Was it something you were passionate about when you yeah. were young? Was it something that came on later in life? Did you do photography first and transition into film? Right. Yeah. So... 
really, I got started in filmmaking back when I was probably eight. Um, my dad had this old camcorder that uh, back in those days took tape <laughs> instead yeah. of, you know, any sort of onboard thing. And so we, we didn't have editing software. And so you'd have to line it up exactly and make sure to plan everything out. Um, and so just growing up uh, with my brothers, we'd make these stupid videos for the fun of it. And then, you know, it's something that I always did for fun, but then I, I started to develop into a craft and eventually started to do it uh, professionally. And then uh, probably in the past couple of years, I've started to look into it more as, as an art form. Um, and be, I've developed an interest in doing something more meaningful. So like I said, I, you know, I started doing kind of goofy stuff and then I moved into uh, video for hire and then more recently have desired to step into actually creating my own stories or um, telling stories of other people and so when I first heard of Lemuel I knew this was a story that I wanted to tell and it was just sort of the perfect combination of all of those different things at once if that makes sense and how did you find Lemuel that's a good question um so I actually discovered it through a church that I was working at. Um, and that's actually how I ended up in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. I'm actually originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, and Rhinelander was, I'd never heard of it until about five years ago. Um, and so at the time I was uh, looking for, to continue my career as a pastor. And so um, I actually began working at the church as a youth and music pastor. Um, and they were heavily invested in Lemuel. And so uh, I started to learn about them and got to know them a little bit and then finally had the opportunity to go and, and teach English for a week. Um, and so I, I, t I, I jumped at the chance. And, I, you know, I've, I've, I've grown up going to church my whole life and have done tons of short-term missions and humanitarian trips to various places throughout the world. But when I first heard of Lemuel roughly four years ago, I knew like almost right away that I'd stumbled on something different. Uh, much of my experience in the past was, it was more about how helping poor people made me feel like a lot of the way it was structured was very much about the experience and having these amazing, uh, you know, mountaintop, we would call them mountaintop experiences. Um, it was more about how I felt than it was about actually understanding the complex systems and realities that create situations like this, um, or understanding the context enough to be a part of a genuine solution. And so when I discovered Lemuel, they, they're an organization that's really in tune with their context and they're very aware of just the complex nature of poverty. And so because of this, they have programs and initiatives that fight against extreme poverty uh, on a holistic way, in a holistic way on, on every level. So they provide forms of short and long-term uh, employment. They provide education. They do reforestation. They do community development. They do spiritual development. The list goes on and on. Um, and so that was one thing that initially drew me to them. Another key factor that I really appreciated is that it's, it's a Haitian organization. Mm -hmm. So it, it's actually founded by a Haitian and most of the staff is Haitian and actually a good portion of them are from that local community. Uh, and so Manis Dilus, who's the founder of the organization, uh, he actually grew up very close to the area that they now work in and experienced extreme poverty firsthand. Um, and, and so he had this desire to help his people and then through that has empowered other Haitians to rise up and uh, into positions of leadership and provide uh, employment. And so I've got a couple examples of, of people who particularly stand out that are on staff, but that's kind of the, the 
background, I guess, of, of how I got connected with Lemuel at first. So Lemuel in Haiti, what's the contrast like between their campus and greater Haiti for a lot of us who've never been to Haiti. I mean, it's so, it's so crazy to me because it's realistically, it's pretty close to the United States, but yet it right. seems like worlds away. So it's, is there a major contrast? Yeah, between- it's it's <laughs> the, uh, I believe it is the poorest country in the Western hemisphere. Yeah. Um, I, I might be speaking out of turn. So I, I guess believe, I believe you're right. Me before. Yeah, I, believe, I believe you might be right on that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, it, it I, backs up uh, the Dominican Republic is, is the same <laughs> island, correct? Correct. Correct. But the the way that those two countries have developed is is literally night and day. Um, so Haiti initially or originally was a tropical island. Um, and when you visit it today, it's essentially desert. Um, it was heavily deforested. Um, and there's a bunch of other factors. I am, I am not at all an expert on Haitian culture or history. I'm definitely not an expert on the complexities of poverty alleviation. So I, I put that caveat up front. Um, but yeah, so the, I mean, when you, when you go there, it's, it's very desert. I mean, there's very little vegetation. Um, the soil largely, you know, particularly in the area that we're in is the, the soil, nothing can really grow there. So it's a cycle where the soil is bad. So nothing grows there. So the rain doesn't come down from the mountains. So the soil erodes into the ocean and it's just this cyclical mm-hmm. thing. And so Lemuel, again, um, I guess I don't know if I've said this yet. I've said it so many times that sometimes <laughs> I forget. <laughs> um, but the, they have, they are very aggressive in their uh, reforestation efforts. They put a lot of time and effort into planting trees that really, honestly, they know are going to die, Um, but they just keep doing it. And they've seen over, so they've been there since 1998. Um, So they've been working for about 20 years in this area. And now, just now, the campus of Lemuel is is actually a very pleasant place. It's got birds and trees and, you know, there's some fruit on some of the trees when, when there's enough rain, but you step outside the campus and it, it's it's pretty drastic how different it is. Um, so that's kind of the, the particular dynamic. So Lemuel is actually situated uh, in Northwest Haiti. This is a very rural community. Um, it's about a six hour drive from Port-au-Prince, which is kind of the main hub that you would mm-hmm. fly into. Um, I don't know how many miles it is because <laughs> roads in Haiti are very different. And so it uh, is probably not really that many miles, but it takes about six hours to get there just because of the quality of the roads. So I don't know if that answers the question. I sometimes ramble. So no, no, that was great. Bring me back on track. Um, when you first got there, kind of share with us the emotional experience. And then you know, obviously you have a background in film. So then was it an instantaneous thing where like, I have to try and help these people out somehow and film is what I know and this is what I'm going to do. Is that the route that it was or what was the emotional experience? And then how did you decide to, to, to share their story through, through film? Um, I had actually met some of the staff before I went because they came and spoke at the church. Um, and so I'd already been somewhat familiar and um, actually one of my friends from the church moved with his family to be on staff there. And so through him, we had had some conversations before I even got on the ground about possibly producing some videos. Uh, initially, in my head, I was already thinking documentary, but I wanted to build some trust and get some ideas of, of where to go with that. Um, and that was back in 2017. And so um, I knew that it was a skill that I had. I knew it was something that I, was, I wanted to do. But one of the big things that I, I hope comes out in just how I communicate about this 
is my, my value for prioritizing the dignity of other people. And then specifically in, in situations like this, since I am not a Haitian, um, I did not grow up in extreme poverty. I do not know better what needs to be done in those contexts. And so in my head, I'm like, I have a skill set in video. I want to be able to use this in a way that benefits the organization, but I also don't want to come in and say, here's what you need without taking time to get to know the people, to understand the context and to see if this actually does make sense with what they're trying to accomplish as an organization. So, yeah, that's great. That kind of jumps out um, is you said it started in, in 98. Is that correct? The organization, well, it's complicated. They started on in that area in 1998. The organization technically existed before then, but their work in that particular area uh, was about 20 years ago. Do you know, I mean, obviously everyone kind of remembers the earthquake, I believe is in, I want to say 2010, 2011. Yeah, 2010. Um, and uh, do you know how much that, that impacted uh, their situation where they're at or was it not affected or... They, they did not experience very much directly. Um, I think they felt a little bit of the tremors, but they're so, they were so far from the epicenter that they didn't really experience. They just thought it was a small quake and then started to get news of just how devastating it actually was. Um, and so while it didn't affect them directly, I know a good number of the people in that area had relatives who were caught up in the earthquake the founder i think one of his cousins uh died in the earthquake and things like that so it's it's very common for people from those rural communities to try and get to the cities because usually that's where the economic advancement is like you get to port-au-prince or some of the bigger cities just to to be able to have that and so it's not uncommon for people even as remote and um, poor as a lot of those families are to still send send one person off Mm -hmm. to the city to hopefully make enough money to help the, the rest of the family survive Mm-hmm. So the the I think it was Hurricane Matthew in uh, 2016 was a lot more devastating for that area. Okay, not necessarily yeah. in death toll, um, but just in the wipe. It was just a, a wipeout of their already fragile infrastructure as far bet, as the yeah. gardens and yeah. um, livestock and such. So that kind of the, I guess uh, where I was going with the question too is there was so much outreach in mm. 2010, mm. probably 2011, maybe even 2012 for the victims in Haiti. And I would imagine, um, let me, well, didn't obviously benefit from any of the funds coming in, but there might be like a stark contrast of like, mm. of being able to see like, Hey, this is where, I mean, cause a lot of the funds from what I understand didn't actually help. Correct. Right. So that's a big that's a big factor here. And again, I don't speak as an expert on this, but I have done some research um, and there's definitely articles. If you guys I don't know if you do show notes, Mm -hmm. um, but I have some articles I'd be happy to share that sort of support this reality. But I think it's something ridiculous, like it might even be more than this, like six billion dollars or something was poured into the country after the earthquake. Um, I I don't remember what the number is. So again, don't quote me on that. But uh, I'll just say billions of dollars, um, billions of dollars were poured into the country after the the 2010 earthquake. And right now, actually, I don't know if you're following current Haitian news, but um, the country is is even more destabilized than I think it's ever been. Um, Mm. It's it's gone to a whole new level. 
um, to where it's starting to threaten the existence of Lemuel. And so um, that's part of why this is a valuable time to be doing a project of just getting this people aware of this organization in hopes that it will be able to survive. But um, yeah, so there's, there was tons of money that was, that was poured in and a lot of it with all the best intentions. And there's a million different factors. Again, poverty is complex. That's one thing that I've learned in my uh, relationship with this organization. But um, a lot of that money has just more or less disappeared. And in fact, that's a lot of, I think, why Haiti is struggling right now is there's a lot of anger and a justified anger about all this money that was poured in and then it disappears and nothing improves. And these promises that are made from people with money. And that's, there's, again, there's so many factors that are involved there. Um, but it was one of the interesting things, I think, that um, came to light after the amount of aid that was poured into the country, specifically around that particular um, incident, is, you know, the, the basically it, it it destroys their economy on some level, um, which is already struggling, but to provide so much. So for instance, there, there was a lot of rice that was provided at that time, mm-hmm. um, which means that people got to eat and, and don't get me wrong. It is obviously, especially in a crisis situation, you need to provide food, but the level was so extreme that it began to ruin rice farmers, actual economic prosperity. And so you, destroy their future by providing for right now. So with that short term, let's help them right now. Let's give them a bunch of stuff right now without asking that question of what do they actually need? Mm -hmm. I know there's another story of, I think a bunch of people sent teddy bears. So there's thousands of teddy bears because in your mind, you're like, I want those poor kids to have teddy bears. I don't know if this was Haiti specifically. I just know that there was a story related to that. And then they had to hire, like the, the aid organizations had to hire people to sort and, and house these teddy bears. So you're actually putting extra money to help with these unnecessary donations rather than stopping and asking, what do they need? Can we partner with organizations that are trustworthy? So there's all of these complex factors that are at play. And part of what I love about Lemuel, um, and specifically Manise, the founder, is his mentality about that type of stuff where he... If, you know, like right after the hurricane, I think he was very willing to receive some food just because these people needed to eat. Mm. But it, he, it's not uncommon for him to turn away money or resources from somebody because he gets the sense or they explicitly say there are strings attached here mm. or we want you to do things this way. Or, you know, he recognizes that by giving people food, you're actually... Uh, destabilizing the economy that you're trying to build there. You're, you're removing the future by, in some sense, providing for right now. And so his mentality is he's so set on bringing development to his community um, that he, he is willing to turn away resources if he feels like it won't provide that long-term benefit, which is not easy. I mean, he cares deeply for his people. It's not that Mm -hmm. he wants to turn the stuff away, but he knows he's been in Haiti long enough and uh, experienced, uh, I think, both sides of that uh, economic equation. And so he, I think, just has this intuitive understanding that not all money is created equal. Not all donations are as altruistic as we'd like to think. And so that's a big piece of why I champion them is because I believe they're doing good in the world. 
Um, and it's something that I feel very comfortable giving as much of my money as I can to because I know how dedicated he is to his people and that he's, he's working very hard to not pocket really any of that money. He doesn't make any money off of the ministry. He has a separate organization, like a store, essentially. Uh, I'm not sure if that's still true because I think some of that shifted. Um, but I, I do not believe he takes any money from, from the organization, from the, the ministry itself. That's awesome. One of the things you showcased in the, in the trailer that we watched was how, um, I would say it's money, monies, monies, yeah. monies, how he has a passion for not just showing Haitians as these poor people, Hey, give us money. We're so poor. Mm-hmm. We're impoverished. Um, can you touch on that vision that he had of, and how you felt, you could best capture that in the mm. in your film of why why what he wanted to show through mm. his people and and not show that point of hey we're just these poor Haitian people you know right. give us money right yeah and that's yeah the that's a lot of why so I, I actually have taken three trips the first two were to teach English and then I did film stuff on the side and then this past April I was like all right we're going to do this properly and I went down. Uh, and I actually hired a brother of mine to uh, help with the filming. He does media stuff as well. And then another brother, you know, wanted to come along. And so between the three of us, we spent the whole week filming and, um, excuse me, um, particularly chasing Manise, um, because he is always on the move. He's very rarely in one spot and a lot of it, like he'll go and just check on the community and encourage people and give instruction. And so he's just constantly on the move. So we're just following, you know, running after him with cameras essentially. Um, and, and part of it was to capture, and I, I, if you watched the, the Kickstarter video, then I think you got one of those nuggets of hearing it straight from him, his heart for his people mm-hmm. um, that, you know, first of all, he does not want to use poverty to raise money. He made that explicit. He said, if, if I start to use poverty, if I start to, manipulate people into giving money for my own benefit, then I'm done. I'm like, I'm not useful anymore. Um, and rather kind of what he wants is he wants people to come to this community, both people from outside of the country, but also people within the country and to see these people differently, to, to recognize that these are whole complete human beings, that these are complex and beautiful uh, humans that have, a lot of pride in their own community, a lot of um, energy and drive to improve their community for the next generation. Uh, And that because of, again, it's a ton of different factors. Um, There there obviously are stereotypes um, about communities in Haiti. And there's also realities of uh, people who, like Haitians who will take advantage of their own countrymen. Um, because the situation, and again, right now with, with how unstable it is, you know, my friends have been telling me stories about people they know and others taking advantage of them just mm-hmm. because there's no, there's no infrastructure to prevent that at this point. And so his dedication, and it's, it's clearly passed on to, it's I think on a third generation now where he's trained people who've trained people who are now training people who have that vision and that mentality of saying, I don't know if it's going to be good now, but I'm going to work toward that future. Um, both from the standpoint of like, I want to live here and I, I want to, to have a better life, but it's so it's incredibly common for, and it makes a ton of sense in rural communities in Haiti there that's, you're going to have even less economic opportunity. And so you're going to do everything you can to get to where the economy is to get into the city. And 
often the cities and how you can get into maybe a better financial status is not the best pathway. And so you end up uh, changing some of your values and stuff. And so some, there's, there's an issue with some rural communities of their kids going to the city and then kind of becoming different people that, that um, I don't, I don't want to speak for them. That's why I'm trying to be careful. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically that idea where he wants his people to be proud to come home, not ashamed to come home. And I think he's doing, he's genuinely doing that for these people where they are fully invested and love their community, which is just very rare when you're living on the edge of, of extreme poverty like that. How big is the community? Oh, um, I want to say the immediate community is probably three to 500. I'm speaking very much off the cuff. Yeah. It might be more than that. Um, there is a local town on which is, you know, about a 20 minute, it's probably about a 45 minute walk, a 15, 20 minute drive from, from the community proper, um, that if you were to look up, you know, sort of that's their address is on swoosh, but the specific community. So they're going to, that, that's going to be a bit smaller. And then I think Oswich is probably more in the thousands. But and fill, pe- fill people in, do, do, do people, do people live there? Do they work there? I mean, kind of paint a picture for a little, just real quick for the listeners of what. Yeah. So, like. so where Lemuel is positioned specifically, like I said, they're out there. They're near Oswich, which is a city, a very small city, but it's a city. Um, but Lemuel and their surrounding community uh, is become its own kind of city. So Lemuel specifically, um, it is the essentially the government center. It's where the school is. It's where the employment is. Um, and so people live basically all throughout. It's called the plateau. So it's this big, flat desert area. And many, I think they employ, um, they have employed up to 60 uh, Haitians at, at one time within their their organization, um, which is 60 families. It's not just the Haitian individual that you're employing, but you're actually providing for those. So it's 60 families. So it's a pretty significant representation of that area. Um, and so they are kind of a, an a economic uh, civic center, if you will, for that particular community. Wow. So we found out about you on Kickstarter Um Fill people, fill us in. Where's the film at now? You got most of it shot. You doing editing? Where are you at in the process as of now? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, in April, I went down with a couple of my brothers to kind of finish shooting. Um, and so I hope <laughs> that all of the actual filming is done. Um, I don't like the in, intention was to get all of the material that I need right now. Um, much of the work that I've done, well, basically all of the work that I've done has been volunteer. And, um, or I've even donated a fair amount of my own money. Uh, and then Lemuel themselves, because they believe in this project have also donated some of their own money, um, to make this a reality. And so right now we're in the middle of a Kickstarter to help raise funds to sort of finish that project. Um, a good portion of it is just going, you know, basically to pay Lemuel back because Mm -hmm. I, again, like I said, I, I wanted to work very hard to where my vision or my desire to tell their story through a documentary was not making life more difficult for them. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that they were, I was incredibly encouraged that they were willing to invest in it, but I want to, to cover that cost. And then also, I, you know, I have one kid and one on the way. I'd like to be able to feed them while I'm working on it. And so the, the rest of that is hopefully going to go into 
basically it's just me. It's just me uh, uh, doing the editing and the sorting of the footage, color grading. I'm also planning on doing the soundtrack. I've done a little bit of soundtrack work. And so it's, it's a massive project and I'm aware, you know, it's sort of <laughs> shoot for the moon kind of a, a scenario, but, um, but I love the work and obviously I'm, I'm very passionate about it. Um, so I would say we're right on the cusp of post-production. And my hope is uh, if this Kickstarter is successful, that I'll be able to produce this documentary over the winter here. And uh, my sort of end goal is to have it ready um, to go by next fall, uh, which gives me a little bit of, of wiggle room in case things go wrong, because they will go wrong. But so. Talk to us a little bit about the the Kickstarter. Um, did you get any uh, help with that or did you just kind of follow, uh, you know, what other people have done? Um, I did a lot of research. <laughs> um, creating the Kickstarter was almost a full-time job. Um, and so I, I did a ton of research. Um, I've also, you know, backed a fair number of Kickstarters. I helped another Kickstarter get off the ground, like I actually helped them design their Kickstarter and, and they were successful. So I've had a little bit of experience with it. This is the first time I've done my own campaign. Um, but it was just a lot of, of research. And then now it's just a lot of getting it in front of people. Um, and so far it's had a, a decent amount of momentum. I'd like, you know, you'd always like a little bit more momentum, but we're, as of today, I think we're 50% funded, um, which is incredible. And we still have like 13 days left. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic at this point. Um, but yeah, I don't remember what the original question was, but <laughs> well, no, that's good. That's uh, as far as how you've been promoting Kickstarter. Talk to us about that. What does that look like? Is that social media? Is that word of mouth? I mean, yeah, the, under the sun. My my theory, and I'm practicing this theory. I can't say that I'm, I'm at all an expert, but social media is a very useful thing, but it's not good anymore. It's not very useful for converting people. It's useful for reminding people. Hmm. So what I've been trying to do with social media is post in interesting ways. So sometimes, like I had a little bit of a longish, maybe rant or. You know, there's a longer Facebook posts discussing a little bit what I was talking about with like the mentality of a lot of short term trips that um, don't prioritize the needs of the people and how Lemuel has changed my thinking on some of that. And then all the way to the other end of some goofy photo that we took during production and just, you know, making jokes and stuff. So just keeping the project in front of people within my network. Um, and then I've been working pretty closely with Lemuel staff and some volunteers to also keep it in front of people who are already familiar with Lemuel. And so um, I found that I think there there are a lot of people who who are or would be interested in this project. And the biggest challenge is actually getting it to them. Um, that's what I found is I don't think that it's a matter of convincing people of the value it's just how do you actually get it in front of them? And there's all these Facebook algorithms and you have to post in right. exactly this way. And it just makes it harder and harder and harder, yeah. which is where word of mouth obviously comes into play because Facebook can't regulate word of mouth. So at least not yet. Um, so it's just been a lot of those different, you know, so I've been mostly hitting social media up front. And then now is kind of the phase where I'm like, okay, I've kind of sapped that dry can we start getting into some more, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations or, you know, get some, other people on board who can bring in other people and you know it's just it's a it's a guessing game i don't yeah. know if I, either does of you kickstarter, kickstarter provide any tools in that sense or is it um 
I mean, even with the the whole production of everything, I mean, do they have some steering guidelines that help you or? Yeah, they do. Um, they've got a pretty, uh, I don't, I don't know. I would say it was in depth, but they cover a lot of the topics just within their own libraries of information. Um, I watched a number of YouTube videos on it as well. Um, they did in the first couple of days, give it the badge of a project that they love, um, which oh, obviously is, is, is pretty cool. And, um, there was at least one pledge that came in because of that, I believe. Um, so, and I don't know how you guys found it, but <laughs> Kickstarter obviously was <laughs> that connection for, for us. And so, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I went to Kickstarter and went to films and you were one of the top films that popped up oh, on sweet. there. So that's great. That is giving yeah, that kind of exposure. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you about the title of the documentary, The City of God. Is there, what's the story behind that and how did you come up with that title? Yeah, I do get asked a lot about the Rio de Janeiro uh, movie. Uh, it's a completely, I intentionally actually left uh, or added the The God. City of God. Yeah. Because the other film is just City of God and it's a, it's a title pending. <laughs> I yeah. like it, but I, it, I, it's just a, a simple way to do it. But so the, the actual story for the, um, sort of what inspired the the title is pretty interesting. So the community that this documentary is focused on is situated, like I said, on a plateau. And the plateau has a name uh, in Creole as Grand Yab, which is uh, basically translates to the great devil or the big devil. Um, it's a, unclear why the plateau has this name. Um, but what is clear is that I think there are a lot of the local people who don't particularly like that name. Um, it indicates something negative. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Bible, the devil is a character that's often associated with desolation or destruction. And so this area has obviously seen its fair share of both of those things um, because of aggressive deforestation. And obviously they're experiencing extreme systemic poverty, lack of access to resources and education. Um, but when Menis first moved to the area, he began to work hard against these problems. Um, and he had a team of some other people who um, he built around him and through over the years have established a school that I believe now has seven grades and counting. Um, and they've worked on different initiatives to provide sustainable employment, access to water and food, and uh, with a focus on long-term development. And I do want to say that with a caveat that they're still figuring some of those things out. It's not uh, it's a, it's still very difficult, um, but they're, they're doing a lot of, of very creative things. Um, the name Lemuel uh, actually also comes from the Bible, um, from Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. It's a verse I, even growing up in the church, I don't know that I ran across very often. But there's this Hebrew king named Lemuel, and it says that his mother is giving him instructions. And this is part of what she says to him. She tells him to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, to speak up and judge fairly, to defend the rights of the poor and needy. And so this is their sort of motto as an organization is much of what they what drives them is to speak up for those who don't have a voice, um, to fight for the rights of those in poverty. And so the name of the documentary actually comes from the meaning of the word Lemuel. So this is a complex story, but it hopefully will make sense in a minute here. Um, the word Lemuel in Hebrew means devoted to God. And so since Lemuel has started working in this area, some of the local community have suggested changing the name of the plateau from the plateau of the great devil to Cité Lemuel, which means the city of God. 
Um, and I think it also signifies the transformation that the community has already experienced and hopes to experience in the future. So hopefully that's a good explanation. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. That's some pretty cool Christian gangster stuff to put a, uh, <laughs> to, to, uh, to build the city of God on top of the great devil. That's conquest right there, man. That's cool. <laughs> um, what's the, the founder's name? Manis. Manis. And yeah. it sounds like Manis was able to escape poverty uh, at some point. Is that correct? Yeah. So his story is interesting. He actually grew up, uh, he was the son of a, a wealthy fisherman. And so he, the first few years of his life, he actually was living in relative wealth. And then his father passed away at sea and it completely plunged their whole family into extreme poverty. Um, and so it was a, a complete uh, reversal. And um, I don't have my notes on this one in particular. So um, I don't know how accurate I might have to fact check some of this. But um, from what I understand, it was, um, I think, a missionary couple that through some organization similar to Compassion International or something like that, that met him and fell in love with him as a little kid and decided to sponsor him. And so because of that, he was able to get educated um, and then moved to Port-au-Prince and um, was actually uh, planning to pursue a career in videography. Um, and the story goes that um, he, when he was, uh, when that, that family pledged or began to support him, he made a promise to God that if he ever had the chance that he would, he would help other kids in the same situation. And he forgot about that promise that he made until one day when he was doing some videography, um, it might've even been for Lemuel, but, uh, which existed in Port-au-Prince at the time. Um, but he was doing some videography and through the lens of his camera, he saw some kids, uh, I believe they were sniffing paint or something, doing some <laughs> activity that was not particularly helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, from what I understand, a lot of times uh, people will do that in that context to sort of uh, cover the pain of hunger. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he he was reminded of that promise and that began this this journey for him to, to eventually move back to this area. And so he does have uh, stability now, um, but definitely would not be we would consider living in, in riches, um, but was able to find that, um, grounding and then, um, provide that now for, for this community. So, yeah, I, there is a lot, I don't know if you need to fill in gaps, but on their website, they do have like a whole bio that does a much better job of (laughs) explaining. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was, I mean, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, shoot, we should try and get him on as a guest too. I think he'd be great to tell the story. Yeah, how he started. Um, so Kickstarter's half funded. Encourage yep. everyone that's listening to this podcast right now to go help out with the project. If they want to do that, uh, where do they go to to find it? Or is it better to go to a different website? Where do people go to help out? Um, the easiest way is lemuelfilm.com, L-E-M-U-E-L film.com. And that will actually take you right to the Kickstarter, which has a video and way more information than you could ever want on the project and on Lemuel and all of that. And so you should be able to get all the information from that. Awesome. Yeah, you have a great, great page on there for sure. Yeah, thank you. And and you talked about, you know, sharing it out through your social media network too. That's something that everybody else can do who's listening to, you know, you donate a little bit and then also share it to your network as well too, because it's that rolling effect with social media that makes it so powerful that I can share it. And then somebody who I know could share it and they can share it. And then all of a sudden 
you know, the, the project gets funded because enough people got access to it. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And if, if someone's listened to this and maybe they are a, an aspiring uh, videographer or, you know, s- similar inspiration, um, what would you recommend for, you know, either uh, a youngster or someone that's an adult? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that you kind of have been in this for a while. What, what would be some s- jump off points for people? I think the biggest thing that I experienced and that I see in other people who, and this is true for anything creative in particular, um, is that it, it's the the bondage of perfectionism. I'm not sure what the right term would be. The That mentality, you see something that really inspires you and you want to create that. And the reality is, is nobody is good on day one. Um, there's always sort of work that goes into getting to that point. And so I feel like what I would encourage people who are interested in pursuing anything creative, um, specifically with videography, especially if you want to do video stuff um, with more of like a passion and, you know, it's not just functional, but you want to you know, say something and do something with your craft that it's, it's cliche, but it's true. Just do it. Like start. Um, one of the best things, one of the best brain hacks that I discovered in really the recent past couple of years with all of my creative pursuits is find something dumb to do that gets beyond that perfectionism mentality and then allows you to improve at your craft. But it's something that you don't particularly care about. So I didn't start by making this documentary. If I And actually, when I first filmed it, uh, started filming it a, a couple of years ago, I sat on it for a couple of years because I knew I wasn't good enough yet to, do, to, to carry out the vision that I had. And so something else that I do is actually, uh, uh, I call it the Shep Fam Vlog. Um, so it's this semi-regular, I'm, I've been pretty bad at keeping up with it, but, um, I've, I have a, a funny family and so we just do goofy stuff and, um, there's actually some vlogs from one of my trips to Haiti and stuff. Um, but it was something very sort of low quality that I could just churn out and practice and get better at storytelling, get better at editing, at filming and all of that. So then when I was stepping into things that are more, uh, meaningful to me that I care a lot more about the product. I already have the skill set. I already have a ton of field experience. And so I've discovered that that's very useful and just hacking that's your great. own brain to say, yeah. find something that you don't care about the product being good, but allows you to practice and get better at something um, as a way around that perfectionism mentality. And yeah. one day you'll create something and you'll be like, I did that. How did that, you know, it, it'll, you'll yeah, surprise yourself. It. That's awesome. Those are great tips. Great tips for anyone looking at getting into the industry. Um, film your family. I know Rex, if I film my crazy family and in-law family, it would be, it would be a must-see TV. <laughs> it would be for sure. And that's what's great about this human nature in general is we can all laugh at ourselves and we all have that quirkiness to our, mm. our yeah. own individual families. Yeah. And, um, if people are listening to this and they want to get in touch uh, beyond just the Kickstarter, what's the best way to do that? Um, probably the easiest way to get in touch with me is just through my website, which is nateshepard.com, um, S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D. It's not spelled like the the word, but so nateshepard.com, there's a contact info there. I've got other projects that I've been working on um, that might be of interest to people. So that's probably the best way to, to get a hold of me. So awesome. Nate, this has been a pleasure to have you on talk with you for everyone else. Uh, 
check out nateshepard.com. Check out lemuelfilm.com. Support him. Support the Kickstarter. Help him reach his goal. He's halfway there, 13 or so days left. It'll be a little less than that when you guys actually hear this come out. So you're going to have to really push to go help support it. Probably yeah. be farther than halfway by the time this Well, goes. we'll try to get it, get the episode out early to get uh, you know any kind get of extra momentum. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I think it, uh, you said it was going to come out on next Thursday, potentially, which would still be a week before the end of the Kickstarter. So yeah, that. I mean, we can, we can definitely probably get it out before then. Um, okay. I definitely want to circle back to you before the films uh, put out because it'd be yeah, great be to, awesome. to yeah. kind of not only get a recap, um, but also just I know that you're going to have you know more of the story to be able to share, and mm-hmm. um, we definitely want to have you back on before you uh, either before or after you launch it, but definitely around that time period, it'd be great to connect with you again. That'd yeah. be awesome. Love to I talk about streaming, it. streaming, or you know, uh, screening options too for different churches around. I think that would be something that'd be yeah. And really we cool. we've talked about. Uh, I'm, I have some big dreams and plans for. I don't know if you want to call it a tour per se, but um, and I don't know if this is if you guys need to go, I can not talk. No, about no, this. you're no, good. It's good. Go for it. Um, something that I'm that I'm also really interested in. Um, so I part of why I call myself a multimedia artists is that video is just one component of what I want to do as an artist. Um, and something that I've been really obsessed with for whatever reason for the past couple of years. Um, and I actually got a grant to do some of this, which is pretty awesome. Um, but is to create multimedia community experiences where you're utilizing the technology, uh, like a lot of nowadays with the social media and just all of the technology at our fingertips, it actually isolates us. And so the tendency, rightly, on, on some level is to want to, you know, to reject some of that, to get off social media so that we can be with each other. Like, that's mm-hmm. a healthy human thing to do. Um, but I also think that there's, there's a place for utilizing that technology to create community. And so one thing that I would love to be able to do with this film is I want to actually go on tour with it. Mm-hmm. And not just because it's a fun thing to do, but to be in spaces with people. Um, this is something that, uh, I experienced when I was a pastor, I had opportunities to preach and it's, it's almost like a performing arts where you're, you're in this live space with other people and you're turning phrases in just the right way. And you get these different reactions and it's a very fascinating and enjoyable experience for me. And I I would love to be able to do similar things with this film where you get to not just watch it, but actually create conversation and create community around some of these topics and have dialogue and discussion. And so whether that's online or in person, I prefer in person. Um, But we're actually talking about maybe doing a West Coast tour, East Coast tour. I don't know how we're going to fund this, but... Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Oh, I, yeah, I know uh, maybe a couple more people in uh, on the West Coast that I can. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Into, so. It'll happen. It'll happen. Sweet. Um, awesome. And I really appreciate it. Once again, NateShepard.com, LemuelFilms.com. Nate, you're doing awesome things. Really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your vision with us. Yeah, I appreciate it as well. Thanks yes, for reaching thank out. Thank you so much. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing the film. Sweet. Thank you. If you liked today's episode, you can find more information at mycorneroftheuniverse.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.